Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Today on this trade deadline special, this podcast is coming out on Tuesday the 20th as you are listening to this, so full disclosure, I'm recording this on Sunday because I have some other commitments on Monday night and, and wanted to get this wrapped up beforehand, so hopefully no big news or major news or major trades happen before or in between that time frame, so full disclosure in that regard, but today I'm going to focus on some specific needs for the Brewers and how it relates to the upcoming trade deadline on June or July, excuse me, 30th. So that deadline, I believe, is at like 4 o'clock Eastern time, somewhere around there. It is on that Friday. It is not on the last day of July because the last day of July is on a Saturday this year. So that is why it is just slightly different. But I'm going to focus primarily on the first base and relief pitcher side of things. I think those are the two biggest needs for the Brewers, so that should be where most of our focus is. Of course, there is some crossover between players and what positions they play, and our other players that other people want as well, so maybe I'll touch briefly on those just to give you my thoughts. But I'm going to start with the cream of the crop of the first base crew, and I think that's Trey Mancini. I think if any team could look out there and be like, that's who I want, they're going after him. So obviously the Orioles are just absolutely terrible, and Trey Mancini is the only thing that is going well for them. He's got a real good story in terms of like feel good. He battled stage 3 colon cancer all of last year during 2020 and missed the season. Before that, he'd always been a big power hitter. I think he hit like 34, 35 home runs in 2019, hit above 20 a couple seasons or multiple seasons prior to that and is at 16 already this year he's a slugging machine along with the 16 homers he hits just a ton of doubles run production run production is really good 55 on the year so he definitely has a chance to get close to 100 rbis don't know if he'll get quite up to 30 home runs but definitely should be in the upper 20s for sure Hitting 256 this year, um, th- those are good things that you like when you're looking at a target to or someone to acquire on a contending team. He does have a year of club control left, to the best of my knowledge here. And as I said, the Orioles are going to sell high on him. So to be able to get him, you're going to have to be willing to part ways with some top prospects. 
Obviously, I think there are certain prospects that the Brewers should mark as untouchable. I think Garrett Mitchell, Ethan Small are definitely two of them. I think Aaron Ashby is close. I I don't I hesitate to call him untouchable, but I think he's dang close up there. I think Bryce Drang's free free reign, uh, but I think Garrett Mitchell, Ethan Small, right now those are your two untouchable guys. Hedbert Perez, everyone's been putting him as untouchable. It's just so hard to predict with, you know, he's like 19 right now. I know he's tearing it up and there's a lot of hype on him leading up into the season. He's just starting to crack like Arizona Rookie League. He's He's got a lot of development to go, but certainly the, the sky is the limit with him in terms of potential. So I guess... I'm not going to label him as untouchable. I'm going to trust what our scouting department sees, what David Stearns thinks of him. If David Stearns says, nope, I do not want to part ways with him, then, yep, I cannot wait for Ed Perez even more. (laughs) But if he all of a sudden pops up in a trade, then I trust that Stearns saw something that he didn't like or wasn't quite sure how that was going to progress, and and I'll, I'll be okay with it. Um, so Mitchell, Small, my two untouchables right now. And Small really just because he's been tearing it up. I know he's injured right now. He had like a flexor strain in his finger. He's going to miss a couple weeks here. He's shut down from throwing, but has, he's just been crazy good. He definitely, you know, I thought was going to be in the major leagues at least by the September. I don't know if the injury is going to backtrack that, uh, but definitely next year for sure. So, sorry, sad little, side little tad, tad rangent there. <laughs> um, but Trey Mancini, definitely cream of the crop in terms of first baseman. So, getting rid of a top prospect, it, it could be a Bryce Terang. It could be the Perez, like I said. It could be a Feliciano. I, it's definitely going to be at least one player in the top 10. You're going to probably have to part ways with some MLB-ready talents. Tyrone Taylor has shown lots of promise this year. Um, guys who have shuttled around a lot, like Angel Perdomo. Uh, I mean, that, those are some guys that kind of come to mind. It's going to have to be at least two of them, maybe even three to get Mancini. This is the trade deadline. I expect them to uh, be selling high on Mancini. His stock is really high right now. So is he out of the Brewers range? No, but be prepared to give up a lot if you want to acquire him. Jesus Aguilar, I think is just a very close second. He's having just an incredible year. 268, 15 homers, 62 RBIs. We all know how good he is. He was a Brewer and he was doing really well. So like the thing that initially scared me the most with him was I remember his all-star year, he just dropped off the table in the second half. He was non-existent. He did not show up in the playoffs, did not show up July, August, September. So he was definitely a first-half guy that all-star year, and, and then that carried over to the year after, and that's how we ended up losing him. So I did some digging around. I said, okay, what are his splits for this year? Because obviously the, people have been talking about Jesus Aguilar coming back to the Brewers since April. And it is true. He did get off to a hot start in that April slash March month there. He hit 296, had five homers, 22 RBIs. May, he calmed down. 217 batting average. Still was productive. Four homers, 16 RBIs. June, the batting average came back up a lot, but then so far in July, holy shnikes, 
356 July batting average, 431 on base percentage, 711 slugging, 1.142 OPS, five homers, 17 RBIs, and we have still the second half of June to go, and we missed time with the All-Star break. So, um, no. Jesus Aguilar, I do not have any concerns at this point of a second-half slump with him. I think he is ready. If the Marlins decide they're going to part ways with him, we are going to get a very productive first baseman going forward. There's not going to be that drop-off like I was talking about. Uh, so I think you're definitely going to have a higher selling cost with AELR. Again, you know, it's kind of similar to Mancini. I don't, maybe not as high of a demand. But then again, AELR, at least according to uh, Spot Track here, uh, 2022 is his last arbitration year. So he, you have control over him for one more year, which is crazy to think about, seeing how the guy is. 31 years old, uh, but it just has four major league years of experience. Uh, so that is Aguilar. I think Mancini and him are number one and number two. I'm going to make a bunch of people cringe with number three here and Jonathan Scope. Yep, I gotta put his name out there. He plays just about anywhere in the infield, first base being one of them on the year so far 277, 16 homers, 53 RBIs. Definitely having a lot of success with the Tigers. And we've been there before, right? We traded for Scope, and it was David Stearns. He publicly announced it. He said, yep, should not have made that trade. One of my not smarter moves. So why would you fall for it again? And I think you have to legitimately keep that in mind. Not just because, like, oh, what if he comes Milwaukee and doesn't hit again, but, like, defensively, what do you do with the guy? He is below average no matter where you put him in the infield. Like, I think the problem with Jonathan Scope is he excels or looks really good on these crummy teams that are not contenders. We acquired him from the Orioles a couple of years ago. He's on the Tigers right now. He looks good on those teams. But to put him on a contending team to say, yeah, I want you game seven of the World Series to be playing first base... It's just bonkers. Like, no, you do not want Jonathan Scope in that situation because while his bat is good, I, you know, Aguilar Mancini are better. And I think what you lose defensively <laughs> by putting Scope in there isn't worth it. Uh, put someone else in there who can actually play good first base, and I think you will be happy. Um, some of the kind of like tweeners, Eduardo Escobar has obviously been talked about for the longest time because the the Diamondbacks lost like felt like for a month in a row and are clear sellers. He has been linked to the White Sox and in fact, it, you know, it's, it was reported like two weeks ago already, but nothing has came about that at the moment. Again, doesn't necessarily hit for a huge uh, high average, but lots of power. He's got 20 homers on the year already, 60 RBIs, hitting 254, so that's pretty good for him. Does strike out a lot, not walking as much as he used to. Uh, but you look at other power hitters out there, you, you might not find anyone better than him that's at least affordable here for the Brewers. I do not think, you know, like Escobar could play first. Yes, Chris Bryant, would you want to bring him in from the rival Cubs? There, for one, there's no way that the Cubs would even consider doing that. Like, Bryant to the Brewers is... That, that would just be foolish of them to do that. Same with giving us Kimbrel. Not going to happen. 
you could throw the kitchen sink at them and they are not going to do it that type of intradivision trade with those two those type of players is just bonkers that so i do not think chris bryant will be coming uh, eduardo escobar for as much rumors have been about there maybe there's still a shot there i i don't know i think if, if he would have went to the white Sox, it would have happened by now but whatever he he's still out there and those are kind of my biggest ones right now, like at least realistic guys to look at from the first base side of things. So then I'm going to switch over to relievers. I touched on Kimbrell already out there. He's definitely the cream of the crop from the reliever crew. Uh, Daniel Hudson is close second if the Nationals do indeed uh, decide to be sellers here in the next week. <laughs> Who knows which way they are going to turn. Uh, but again, those guys are going to have some really high demands. Kimbrell has a year left on his contract. So that's 16, or I think it's a club option or it's some sort of option for next year. And that's 16 mil. That, that is a lot. Yes, he has reinvented himself. Not necessarily reinvented, refound himself this year. Um, his knuckle curve is just absolutely insane. He is dialed in. Uh, but I, I'm going to focus on a couple more kind of out of the normal relievers. And again, I do think reliever is the way to go. And I, I kind of mentioned this if you listen to my last podcast on the Reds recap. I think adding a veteran bullpen arm could go a long way because I think. David Stearns has already quietly started to assemble and do this. We just haven't realized it. Like Hunter Strickland is a veteran with experience in close games, saving experience, and we brought him in. Sure, it was midseason, but we brought him in. He's a veteran. We brought Brad Boxberger in during the offseason. He sure he didn't initially make the roster, but he's appeared in the most games as a brewer now, has been consistently our seventh inning guy. Again, has that he has the most, you know, more closing experience than Strickland in the end and high leverage experience, but another veteran guy. Uh, so I think if you add one more veteran, now you got if you have three solid veteran relievers, mix in a couple younger guys in there, like a like a cousins or a topa. In combination with Devin Williams and Josh Hader, who are locked down eighth and ninth inning guys, that's a damn good bullpen. Because I mean, a suitor will obviously be in the mix, but when you if you look at a postseason game, like if you don't be like, oh, why didn't Cousins play or why didn't Boxberger play? Like when you're wondering why a good pitcher didn't pitch, it's because you got a lot of good arms there. So I think one more veteran arm to kind of sure this thing up is the way to go and. One guy I'm looking towards is Ian Kennedy. Um, maybe not my top choice. I'm going to leave my top choice for after this. But Kennedy's having a good year. Former starter turned reliever. Did that or made that transition last year with the Royals. He's now with the Rangers. He's got 15 saves on the year. 2.67 ERA. He's going to be a low cost. I mean, he's got a 2.5 base salary there on him and he would be a true rental so to be able to acquire Kennedy you're not going to give up much like yes the Rangers are way out of contention they're like 20 some games back in their division but you're not gonna you might not even need to give a top 10 prospect to get Ian Kennedy you give someone in your top 30 or you throw in you know like if you can really hype up a Perdomo or a, or something like that I don't know if Stearns is that good um, probably not, but 
you might be able to get away with just a prospect there, maybe even a, a lower level one, someone down in you know Arizona rookie league, minor leagues, outside of the top thirty, two prospects there, a top thirty and not top prospect, and a not top thirty that might get the job done for an Ian Kennedy, and. You know, he's been good this year. I do, I'm do. i not a fan of his stat cast measures whatsoever. He's relying heavily on the fastball this year, like near 80%. His other pitches, it's like a changeup and a, I think a curveball, those are like 8%, 5%. He's a very high spin rate guy, so sure, it looks faster, um, but he's very one-pitch minded and that's with his fastball which is is really kind of scary to me and, and really just kind of astonishing to how he's still finding success still making you know batters miss barrels and get strikeouts it, it, I don't know what exactly it is maybe it's the spin uh, but Ian Kennedy has been very effective this year I do think the Rangers have been selectively using him to build him up like this like outside of his save appearances he He's not used a ton, 30 innings on the year. So I think there is that to take into consideration when you're looking at getting him. Uh, but the real guy I would like us to go after is Kendall Graveman of the Mariners. So again, this really depends a lot on if the Mariners are going to be sellers or not. They're like, as I'm recording this, three and a half games out from the wild card in the in the AL West there. They're, I think there's seven out from division. Not out of it yet, but the the wild card is a realistic shot for them. They're like five games above third, and Graveman has been just a stud this year. 29 innings pitched. His ERA is sitting at .093, and he's got electric stuff. He's had Tommy John in the past, but he's still pumping 97-mile-per-hour sinkers, and then he throws in an 88, 89-mile-per-hour slider. His changeup comes in at 90 sometimes. Like, he's still throwing heat. So, like, when you think late-inning reliever, like, that's the type of stuff that you want. He knows how to throw all three pitches. So I like that aspect of him. But then when I go to StatCast and whatnot, like, he's not getting a ton of strikeouts. His expected... Uh, ERA or XFIP is at 3.03. So yeah, sure, he's gotten, you know, when you look pretty lucky, all things considered, 0.93 to 3.03 is a big difference. And he's not getting a lot of strikeouts with that dominance or fast velocity stuff. Um, so that that's kind of puzzling to me, but it's it's appealing to me. And he would be a, a rental. He's got one more year under control. He's got eight saves on the year here, so he knows how to pitch in those scenarios. At, at 30 years old, I would think he would love to go to a team that, like the Brewers, and they're in better shape than the Mariners right now, um, although the Mariners, like I said, could still make it. So a lot of it's going to depend on that, um, but that's a relief pitcher, I think, there that, again, maybe you don't need to give up a ton to get, you know, despite our, our great history with the Mariners and trading. Um, can a top 30 prospect, okay, maybe a top 20 prospect and then an outside prospect get it done or a top 30 prospect and a annual Perdomo get it done? Maybe, maybe. The, the Mariners and Brewers like to make trades, so we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, so those are the two relievers that I really like. 
other names out there just kind of throughout the MLB. Uh, Starling Marte right now is getting a lot of attention from the Mariners. They offered him an extension. I believe it was rumored to be three years, $30 million. Uh, someone who plays in the outfield and is definitely deserving of more than $10 million a year. That was kind of a slap in the face. So he's definitely not going to take that and will probably get moved before the deadline. <laughs> Unless they can work something out ahead of time. Uh, but based off the, those initial reports, I, I wouldn't even talk to them if I was Marte. Uh, so he could be on the move. There's a lot of talks with Joey Gallo. The dude gets on base a ton and hits for power, um, which, you know, what we, that's kind of what we would want a Christian Yelich at this point. For whatever reason, he seems to have lost hitting for average. <laughs> He's hit, and Yelich is hitting the, ground, the ball on the ground a ton this year, so his power numbers are not there. Um, but Joey Gallo and Christian Yelich are very similar. They see a lot of pitches. They don't swing at pitches out of the zone. They get on base. Um, just Joey Gallo this year has a lot more power than Christian Yelich does. So yes, that it would be a nice guy to throw out there in the outfield. Just the problem is the Brewers have just a huge outfield to deal with. <laughs> JBJ has been out there for quite a while, still trying to get it going. But his his defense, I will admit, has been very impressive. He's had the he had that fake out where he thought it was a played it off like as a home run and up doubling a runner off before the all-star break that was really cool tyrone taylor has been hitting he has been hitting for power i really like what tyrone taylor's doing and lorenzo kane is coming back at least as i'm recording this he was supposed to be playing all weekend in the minors building his way up to nine inning games with the expectations that he could join the brewers on the homestand which starts on tuesday which is when this podcast is coming out but with missing all of last year missing so much time this year we really do not know what to expect with Lorenzo Cain. Just the problem becomes, how do you unload a Lorenzo Cain contract or take on another big outfield contract? How do you get rid of a JBJ contract? Because it's really difficult. And JBJ has a player option for next year. So he'd be an idiot to decline that. So he's going to get paid nine, I think like $9 million next year, despite how bad he's been so far. And there's no way the Brewers can get out of that unless they pay a really high buyout, um, which I don't see that happening either. So in all honesty, I think the Brewers are just going to have to roll their dice with Taylor, Kane, and JBJ. And that those three are going to be battling it out in center field here as we approach the playoffs. And not all of them are going to make a playoff roster. I would not be surprised to see a Lorenzo Cain left off a playoff roster if he does not perform. I could see Tyrone Taylor getting in there. I think it's just something that the Brewers are going to have to bite the bullet on it for this year. And it is what it is. I do not see a big blockbuster contract shuffling alt you know altering deal coming about it, it just does not make any sense for anyone out there so i'm just gonna disregard the joey gallo the the Marte deals uh they're not going to happen um if they happen hell i'll be the first to admit i was wrong it, it's just very very hard to imagine that happening so uh, starting pitchers, you see a lot of those out there, like if the Nationals sell, will they move Scherzer? <laughs> That's not going... Uh, uh, the Brewers are not going to get Max Scherzer. And really, this year, it's like the first time ever the Brewers don't need a starting pitcher. We already talked about how we have essentially like three aces at the top with Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta. 
if you get into a best of seven series, hopefully we're fortunate enough to get that far in the postseason. Yeah, you probably need a fourth starter. Well, you can throw a Hauser or an Anderson or a Lauer, whoever starts performing well in the second half, out there for one game because at the first sign of trouble, those other horses hopefully have worked quite a bit. And I already mentioned how much I love our bullpen. You, you know, you got Suter to throw in there. You got a Cousins or, you know, guys to eat up innings in the postseason who I think would do a very nice job if an Adrian Hauser only gave you three or four innings uh, if he would start four games or something like that. So going out and acquiring another starting pitcher just doesn't make sense, especially because round one is best of five. You know, hopefully you can just take care of business in three games with that pitching staff that we have, or you shuffle it around so someone's pitching on a little bit short rest, or maybe even two guys are pitching on short rest. So uh, starting pitchers, you know, you don't need them this year. So I, why waste any more breath on them there? Uh, so yeah, first base relievers, those are my biggest ones there. I, I don't think third base is a area of need anymore. As I mentioned on the Reds recap, I think Luis Urias has that on lockdown. Travis Shaw will be coming back. I know that's not the most exciting or enticing thing there, but he's going to go on a rehab stint. If he can show some promise, show some power, he can maybe sneak his way onto a postseason roster when we get that far. Um, just for that power threat or power bat off the bench, um, Vogelbach will be coming back at some point. And that's not third base, but speaking of power bats off the bench because Urias is going to get all those opportunities there, you know, at least throughout the duration of games or starts anyway. So um, those are just things to think about there from other positions. So uh, that, that's really going to do it. It doesn't seem like it's that complex of a trade deadline approach here. You need a first baseman. You need relievers. Go get one of each. I, I would love to see the Brewers do that. We're, we're going to have to part some waves with some prospects here. I think that's just where we're at. And it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. So, again, that deadline is July 30th. Anything earth-shattering that happens, I'll, I'll be breaking it, even if it's in the middle of the series. I don't want to combine that in with a series recap like I do. Uh, so make sure you hit subscribe to the Brewers Trilogy podcast. You can get all of my latest content there. Follow Reviewing the Brew. Follow Wisconsin Sports Heroics for articles if you prefer those. And help spread the word about us here. Would love to get some more support and more shout out from people out there on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever social media channel you use. I can be found at Tyler Kurth. And let me know your trade deadline thoughts. I I love to hear what everyone has to say. I will not back down from trying to configure you know, a deal out for it all or anything. So we will leave it at that. And the guys I mentioned are, are the realistic ones I think we're going to go after here. So we'll see what happens. And I will uh, talk to you later, Burr fans. Bye.